politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen standing at the ready to guard our liberties, our lives, our bodies, and our right to breathe. Here at CR Podcast, this is your host, Daniel Horowitz. Back today, the Ides of March. It is Tuesday, and folks, it is time we fight for an enforceable no-fly zone. No, I don't mean the idiotic suggestion of Republican senators that couldn't care less about us, but are now proposing us to get into war over Ukrainian airspace. I'm referring to the no-fly zone on our bodies. It's time for a no-fly zone on our bodies. Today, we're going to have a very special guest, Dr. Jane Rubion, to discuss the bioterror attack on our bodies. It is a million times more grave, consequential to our interests, to our bodies, than anything the media is telling you to focus on. And we're going to continue focusing on that. We're going to go through all of the recent news that came out about the shots, which is why they don't want to talk about COVID anymore. But you know what? They dragged us into COVID against our will. Well, now they're not going to drag us out of it. We're going to focus on it because that is the real issue of our time. Um, There is a lot of stuff that is going on um, that I'm not going to get to. I just wanted to say our observation from yesterday is stronger than ever. I've never seen the entire global cabal more unanimous and more passionate about a a given issue. And it doesn't make sense because if you have unanimity of opinion, why is there passion? There's usually usually passion when there's opposition. So you're like, no, you got to do this. You got to do this. Well, you all agree. So why is there passion? Well, the answer is because they're not doing anything. The EU just said that they're not going to give fighter jets to Ukraine. So what exactly are they doing? What is the play? I don't know, but it's not good. When all the bad guys agree on something with this degree of focus, passion, emotional indulgence, and shame, like we saw with COVID January 6th and BLM, it ain't good. I don't know what their end game is, but something doesn't smell right. Um, so we're definitely going to focus on that more later in the week. Um, but today I did want to get to the shots um, and, and more broadly, just bringing it back home. Homeland security, crime, illegal aliens, China. You know, this is a good segue into our first sponsor today. I'm very proud to be a sponsor for Moinkbox, M-O-I-N-K, the American farming company in Missouri that creates the best-tasting, ch- best healthiest chicken, salmon, and meat in America, the best pork. 60% of U.S. pork production comes from one company owned by the Chinese. Um, their hogs are given something called uh, ractopamine. It's banned in so many countries, including China, by the way. But I like to tell you about Moink. Okay, that's Moo plus Oink. Grass fed cows, um, beef and lamb, pastured pork and chicken. Uh, this is a company that is American owned, fifth generation farmers. And everyone says the best tasting uh, meat they've ever tasted that I've given this to. But also, I'll tell you that you will be supporting. American independence on food. We talked a lot about independence on energy. It's the same thing. We need to be independent of China. Keep American farming going by signing up at moinkbox.com slash conservative right now. Listeners get free filet mignon for a year if you sign up for their boxes. That's one year of the best filet mignon you'll ever taste, but this is a limited time time offering. So M-O-I-N-K box.com slash conservative. Make sure you get moinked like I have. That's moinkbox.com slash conservative. And that just reminds me that one of the things I am going to be focusing on, a bill just passed in Arizona in, I think, the Senate, I want to say, one body, and there's an important bill on the spotlight in South Carolina. We need every state, we need a bill to ban Chinese investors from owning farmland, really owning any land, 
owning land in America, it's a national security issue, it's an espionage issue, it's a supply chain issue. They're owning everything. Our government, just like they did with healthcare through taxation, regulation, litigation, subsidization, and selling us out to China, they created a healthcare cartel monopoly. They're doing the same thing with food. They have done it with food. That's why you barely have any independent farmers left anymore. It's not the free market that did that. So this is something we really need to work on. It's funny. Now there's this clamor to ban, ban Russia, ban everything about Russia. And again, I mean, everyone would agree. I mean, the Russian people, if anything, they're protesting this. But they want to just cut off the Russian people and crush them, which, by the way, all the banking and everything, they're going to do that to us, too. So, I mean, I hate Putin like the next person, but just understand this is not coming from a good place and it's not headed to a good place. But where is the clamor to shut off China? Isn't that interesting? Anyone with a half a brain, you could tell me how evil Putin is all you want, and I certainly agree with that. But if you think he is a bigger strategic threat than China, you're insane. But anyway, Ukraine was the perfect off-ramp from COVID. Because just like COVID, it ropes in conservatives. right? If you remember, every one of the liberals in the country and half the conservatives agreed to COVID fascism because they feared it and they went along with it. This is a similar thing. This is the perfect issue. Because it brings up that nostalgia, fighting the Soviet Union, Defending Eastern Europe, the days of Pope John Paul and Margaret Thatcher and Ronald Reagan, defending Poland, especially among the baby boomer conservatives, the Fox News guys and all these guys. It brings up this nostalgia because some of my colleagues don't understand how to reinvent the wheel and focus on new issues that they never studied and focused on. It has to be taxes, abortion, guns, and, you know, fighting the Soviet Union. They're, they're still back in the 1980s. I love Reagan like the next person, but it's taking his principles and applying them to today's challenges. And, and at the end of the day, the equivalent of the Soviet Union-style challenges at a geopolitical level is China and the border, and the two really merge together. Immigration, visas, that's the national security issue of our time. But then, of course, the biggest national security issue is public health. That our own government poisoned our people, just today. It's from the AP Newton teen. Newton, Massachusetts teen dies weeks after collapsing during basketball game. 15-year-old boy died Sunday evening at Boston Children's Hospital. Suddenly, he collapsed on the field. They won't exactly say uh, what it was in the article, but I think we know exactly what it was. Where is the no-fly zone on our bodies? We have Roger Wickerbasket, Mississippi Senator, Clearly, in the absence of a U.N. resolution which Russia would veto, a strong coalition of like-minded nations should step up and seriously consider this. He's talking about a no-fly zone. You cannot get these guys to ever care that their constituents are dying of bio-warfare from our own government. It's disgusting. Basically, CDC has told us that if you get the shot, that, that you, don't, you don't have to wear a mask as long as you uh, put up a Ukrainian flag. BLM won't cut it, by the way. That's not enough anymore, the BLM flag. You have to have a Ukrainian flag, and then suddenly it doesn't exist. But COVID does exist. Ironically, there's still more COVID around than when CDC initially instituted the mask mandate. Fun fact, there's actually more cases, many more deaths. I think it was June or July there were maybe 350, 375 deaths a day. There still are over 1,000 deaths a day being recorded. No one seems to care about that. That's the irony. I'm the one who still cares about COVID. The blocking of treatment. Who unleashed this in the first place? What other gain-of-function resources do we have? Seems like we had some in Ukraine. And obviously, the effects of the shots. You know, 
we're going to go over a lot with Dr. Ruby, but one thing I wanted to get out here, there's data from Rambam Hospital in Haifa, Israel, reveals stillbirth, miscarriage, and abortion rate of 6% among women who never received a COVID vaccine and 8% among women who are vaccinated. That's a statistically significant odds ratio, folks. It's a 1.36 odds ratio. It means it is about, you're about 34% more likely to have a stillbirth, miscarriage, spontaneous abortion than unvaccinated women. In the month of May of last year, I guess you had a lot of take-up of the vaccine in Israel then. It was... um, 44% of vaccinated women experiencing a stillbirth, miscarriage, or abortion that month, compared to 9% among unvaccinated women. In other words, of all the recorded pregnancy outcomes among vaccinated women in May, 43% were either stillbirth, miscarriage, or abortion. There's another hospital in Sheba, experienced an increase in stillborns too. So this stuff is filtering out which is why none of them ever want to talk about COVID anymore. But that's exactly why we should. Why is it that these phony conservatives could only care about something the media tells them to care about? If the entire media is telling you to obsess about something, be very wary of it. And and bizarrely, they're not saying what they want to do other than boycott vodka. It's interesting. The idiot governor, leftist like anything, Spencer Cox in Utah. This is what we have of red states in America. He issued a standing order to ban liquor stores from carrying Russian vodka. It's funny. This same jerk said, um, you can't tell a business what to do. You can't tell them not to violate human rights and require injections and, and, and burkas on people's faces. Well, Daniel, in Utah, the liquor stores are publicly owned. Okay, but then why didn't he tell the so-called publicly owned liquor stores that, uh, you know, you can't have a vaccine mandate either? Again, it's funny what these guys care about and what they don't. Now, one thing we still care about, I'm a good person. See, I'm actually, I am a good person because I actually care about saving lives that they don't care about. And one way to do that is by going to mygotodoc.com. Um, We don't know what's going to be next, what virus they're going to release next, if there's going to be more waves of of this COVID. Um, Dr. Saeed Haider, we've had him on the show. He has uh, a telehealth service where he will dispense off-label medication for you um, that he believes works very well. This is a man that I believe he treated 40... He's treated over 40,000 patients with zero deaths if you count all of his telehealth. Um, and, you know, he knows what he's doing. So it's a pretty, it's one of the cheaper options of getting things like ivermectin. Also, importantly, you could register for free and ask questions forever. Okay. So if you have questions about your symptoms, treatment, um, and they'll connect you to pharmacies that they already know will ship you a full 28 doses of ivermectin for less than anywhere else online. It's your go-to source for COVID-19, mygotodoc.com. Now, folks, as we discuss atrocities and war crimes, everyone's very liquored up and hyped up about what's going on. I really can't think of a worse atrocity than the bioterror attack committed by our government, all of the Western governments, whether it's unleashing the virus that we still don't have answers on, whether it's blocking the treatment for it, and whether it's foisting upon us treatment that, I'll be honest with you, I really feel like a loser that I didn't see this coming. I mean, I didn't trust it. Not in my wildest dreams could I ever have imagined it would have been this bad. But here we are. I mean, you just look at all the news. I have out another column today on the negative efficacy, and you know exactly what that means, immunosuppression. Um, we, I just got an email from Anthem Blue Cross 
saying vaccinate everyone five years older as if the New York study from yesterday, very large sample size, uh, showing negative 41% efficacy after six to seven weeks for five to 11-year-olds. That doesn't exist. And again, this is why they don't want to talk about it. But this is why we're going to talk about putting and enforcing a no-fly zone over our bodies. This is what we need, and I still believe the best way to do this is my plan for a state constitutional amendments uh, to codify that right to bodily integrity. Um, my my friend Savannah Maddox, she's in a Kentucky legislature. She actually has just dropped her constitutional amendment today. I can't guarantee it will go anywhere with GOP leadership because you know how they are. But we're going to try in the states we can. Now, the best person, I think, to discuss some of the latest news that we really haven't had a chance to, to get to, some of the latest studies quantifying the shocking degree of long-term, long-term damage that we're likely to see from the shots that we're already seeing is Dr. Jane Ruby. Um, she's a scientist with over 20 years of experience in the regulatory process for drug approval with the FDA. She also has a lot of clinical experience as well as a nurse practitioner. Um, and more recently, uh, a lot of you have seen her on the Stu Peters show, but now she has her own show, the Dr. Jane Ruby show, you could see at stupeters.tv. Also, make sure to follow her on Telegram, which is really where everything is breaking. Um, look, Dr. Jane, thanks for joining us today. I must say, I thought you were crazy last year. Everything you said was utterly crazy, and now everything is coming true one after another. I don't know how to wrap my arms around this, but I want to start with uh, the Swedish study a lot of people are asking me about, and it's too sciencey for me to explain, about reverse transcription of DNA. Could you explain in layman's terms how, how this study is showing that the mRNA shots, and really, I guess, the adenovector virus uh, shots as well, are potentially damaging DNA, and what does that mean in real-life consequences? Yeah, well, first of all, before I get to that, let me thank you, Daniel, for having me on your show. Um, your work is highly respected, and for you to say that I've come out of the shadows of conspiracy theory to reality <laughs> is a great compliment, because I know you you are the ultimate you know, fact checker. Um, so thank you for, for asking me. I'm really honored to be with you today. So to, to start to answer your question, um, the, this study that you're referring to was came out of Sweden. Uh, everybody's probably heard about it by now, at least of it. Uh, it was an independent study, which I think as a former researcher myself and pharmaceutical drug development researcher is very important because, and I want to take just a few seconds to tell people why, because when something is not funded by an external source, you have complete liberty to run it the right way. Mm. You don't have to conform it to anything that they, they will not say. You don't have anyone over your shoulder, like a pharmaceutical company saying, look, be careful of X, Y, and Z. We don't want to look bad. And believe me, I'm out of the industry. It happens every day. Okay. Those kinds of discussions. Um, I fought against them, to be honest with you, many, many steps along the way. So there were no declared conflicts of interest from outside funding sources or pressure. What these people did was they did what's called an in vitro study, which means literally in Latin under glass, uh, but they used human cells. In other words, in vivo is happening inside of a living being, like an animal or a human being. This was in vitro, but they used live human liver cells. Mm. And when they exposed those cells to the Pfizer, specifically to the Pfizer BioNTech uh formulation that is the premier formulation. There are others with a tweak of a letter or number on the end of it. Uh, we can get to that in another time. But when they exposed these living liver cells uh, to this material, not only did those cells take up that material and there was an integration with the each cell, human cell has a nucleus with DNA. Um, and so when, when this material was was advanced, that mRNA was integrate was taken into, if you will, not only the cell, but also into the nucleus, and it integrated, it meshed with the cell's existing DNA. But here's the scary part to me as, as a scientist. What they found 
was what they called the uptake happened with high efficiency. It was super rapid. And remember last year, one of my conspiracy, quote unquote, <laughs> conspiracy theories was that when this material is injected into your body, uh, it literally within minutes to hours gets into every cell in your body. People thought, oh, come on, that's a little far fetched. Well, the reason I said that was not because I wanted it to be so, but because I've studied the patents. I've studied the investigators for sure. I've studied all the protocols on clinicaltrials.gov that Pfizer has put out. And the combination of that, this this lipid nanoparticle is something, nano is your key word. Anything on the nano level, size-wise, has to be seen with an electron microscope or at its greatest magnification. So these are things that can bypass barriers. Blood brain is the most famous that lay people know about, but there are many other barriers. There are, 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 are fat barriers, water you know, water-based barriers, and things like that in, in the genius of the body design. These nano particles can go through anything. And so it much smaller like, than a virus. Oh, much smaller, much smaller. So that's how it gets into every cell. And that's how it gets in quickly. And, it, and you remember, everything is made of a collection of cells. So when Dr. Sukrit Bhakti talks about the lining of your blood vessels, those are those are lined up single cells. Okay. So when they get invaded by this material, they uptake it into their nucleus. It meshes with their, the DNA there. And those lining cells of your vessels start to build like a factory, millions and millions and millions up to billions of these spike proteins that are not organic. They're actually synthetic. They're a combination of materials that were developed on a computer simulation. They, we don't even know what they're completely made of. But we do know that they will result, they were successful in developing something that forced your cells to make this uh, synthetic, highly toxic spike protein. So back to the hepatic cells in the Swedish study. They found that uh, within six hours, uh, no more than six hours, the cells had completely taken in this mRNA and the mRNA, once it's, it's released, the payload is released, it, it, it's got a natural like sort of connection to the DNA. And remember, um, RNA is a, is a signal. It's a messenger. It's a coding. Although this is not messenger RNA that's in the natural body. The M stands for modified because it's not natural messenger, but it does have a sort of a delivery mission and, and it tells the cell what to make. So these liver cells took it up really quickly. Uh, they, they integrated it into the DNA of those liver cells and so we now know, and that's a permanent change, Daniel. So now we now know. What's the it? Is it the spike protein, just the no. whole, the, the it's nanoparticle? The, it's, the, it's the RNA that then gets into the nucleus of whatever host cell. In this case, it was liver cells that were live and integrated. So it starts to give the message and, and, it, ha and it integrates. So it's actually moving things around to create the blueprint to make this predetermined spike protein. So it's upstream from mm. the spike protein. You have to remember that. It does, they did demonstrate that in this particular study, it modified the DNA. In other words, it integrated and it did not like pull back and get out. It became part of that cell's DNA. Uh, remember that Pfizer's own report that came out of the, the FOIA request uh, from the Japanese government uh, last year they actually released, what Pfizer released was what we call an investigator's brochure. So when you're going to run a multi-center trial, pharmace uh, pharmaceutical companies, don't, they don't run it themselves right there. They contract it out. I ran a human subjects trial center and worked, for, worked you know, as a contract pr uh, center for many different pharmaceutical companies. We would get the investigator's brochure. It's supposed to have everything that they've everything they've done up to that point, all their preclinical results, their phase one, which is pharmacokinetics, pharmacodynamics, the very basics, the receptor affinity, all those basic things that we need to know. All of that goes into the investigators brochure with any warnings that they already know about. And one of them was, and here's the point, the company themselves uh, laid out in that investigators brochure that, hey, if a male subject who's been exp exposed to the treatment, right, the injection, is in the proximity with a woman of childbearing age, not only was that a concern, but they listed it and they directed the investigators yep. to report it. And again, not as a, uh, there are two classes 
of adverse events in pharmaceutical drug development. One is AEs, adverse event, and there are threshold criteria for that. And then there is SAE, serious AEs. And some of those criteria include had to go to the hospital, anaphylactic shock. They're really severe things. They classified that as a required to be reported serious adverse event. So that's really significant. And they also said in that investigators were sure we're basing that on some preclinical with just a few rats, because, you know, they were very irresponsible and negligent in their preliminary studies before they were allowed to launch this by the collapsed FDA. They indicated that, hey, we're basing this on the fact that it gets into the, we know there's a concentration in the adrenal glands, uh, the testes, the ovaries, and the spleen, among among many other other places. Um, so not not of just, now the spikes accumulate as well, but this is, I'm talking about the material. The right? material. Does it, is this an apt analogy that it's kind of like typically a virus on a computer, it messes with the software, not the hardware, but somehow this is something that you could have a virus in the software that could then reverse transcribe into the hardware and damage the hardware of the computer. Well, let, me, let me take away these computer references, software, hardware. Mm-hmm. I know Moderna brags about, you know, hacking the software of life, but let's, let's just, <laughs> put, you know, kind of put that aside and, and they should be held to account because to me, to me, that's premeditated murder. You don't think these companies have spent billions of dollars to develop this, do you? Along with our government, giving them billions if they didn't know what they were making? Well, it is Come a me- medical miracle. I think we all do Come do on. believe it. it. It certainly is a miracle, not in a good way. I want I want to elaborate on this point just first, folks. Sure. I, I want to say this interview is sponsored by our, our friends at Patriot Mobile. You know, some of you might have seen T-Mobile is now blocking and censoring text messages that you might send. So, you know, you could have a Dr. Jane Ruby show. You want to send it to someone. And guess what? They're going to zap that. Typically, for important goods and services, we're screwed. They have monopolies. Not with this. Uh, Patriot Mobile is America's only Christian conservative cell phone provider. They have a plan that fits your budget. It's 100% U.S.-based customer service team. And really, they work with all the same towers, so it's the same good service. Why not give your money to those that don't hate you and actually won't censor you either? Go to patriotmobile.com slash CR or call 972-PATRIOT. Free activation with offer code CR. Veterans and first responders will save even more. Again, that's patriotmobile.com slash CR. So, uh, Dr. Ruby, what what our audience is, is wondering is, okay – what are the ramifications? I know I speak to a lot of people my age, younger, middle age, and they complain about the fact that they have parents and in-laws that aren't even that old. We're not talking about 80, 90, but more 65, 70, that they've noticed they've really aged this year. They've really aged over this past year. Is that one of the ramifications of this um, preventing DNA from repairing damage? Or is that is that a separate problem? You're you're well you're you're speculating, and it certainly is plausible. Uh, mm-hmm. You could definitely make an argument for it. Have I seen direct science for that? No, but I will tell you this: logically, if your body is fighting this foreign RNA material, it's a foreign protein. It knows it's foreign. It has nothing organic in it at all. And then the 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 progeny of that. RNA, which is your body reacting to the blueprint direction to make billions of these synthetic spike proteins. By the way, when I say make, it's not like like going to one part of your body and making them and then just sending them out like, like, you know, like a, like a train delivering things. The majority of your cells in your body are being directed to make these. So when you picture that blood vessel and those cells lined up individually, they're each making some. And those those spikes become, you know, you're, it's, it's gross to think about, but your cell gets full of it, like burgeoning. And these spikes just burgeon, they splurt out. It's gross. And it instigates profound inflammatory processes. You have no idea, unless you're trained in this area or medically or in inflammatory illnesses, how powerful, how widespread, how broad the inflammatory response is. It's nature's way of, you know, saying danger, danger. We've got it. We've got something going on. We've got to attack it. So it's a, it's a cascade. If you will think of it that way, a cascade of many different signaling and pulling in resources. And what I would say to the aging thing is that if your body is busy 
fighting a foreign M- uh, mRNA protein and these, these spikes that are just growing out of everything in your body microscopically, you don't have time to be healthy. You don't have, your body doesn't have the time and resources to keep immune surveillance really high. And this, Daniel, is mm-hmm. what I think is happening in terms of cancer. Cancer is, an immune, is a surveillance failure. Yep. Okay? It's, it's an immune surveillance failure. If your surveillance fails, your army doesn't respond, right? If I don't see the enemy on the horizon, I'm not going to trigger my army. And so I want to I want to give people sort of that visual analogy. And that's that's what I believe is happening. Now, we're getting into AIDS, HIV, all this craziness, okay? What what AIDS is is immunodeficiency. It's a an immune system that is hampered, is no longer working. To what degree? Depends on the human being. Depends on how much of this poison you've taken. Um, so so that's really important. But what they're doing is they're they're smoke screening I believe uh, the antibody dependent enhancement that we all talked about last year, because we were talking from a position of science, this is immune exhaustion. And if your immune system is exhausted, it's, 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 it's a matter of resources, right? It's supply it's and demand. Exhausted. So, so Dr. Jane, does that explain why we're seeing a very fascinating ob- observation that if you look at Israel, you look at the far East Asian countries. So to, in my mind, there are two parts of the world that all along seem to skate away without excess deaths, and that's Africa and Far East Asia. But then with Omicron, which was the mildest of all, Africa continued to skate by. But Far East Asia, we now saw in Hong Kong, Singapore, South Korea, and Japan, and, and Israel, until recently, now they're going down, they all had, now it's not as bad as the Western nations still, because that's their health profile and everything, but apples to apples compared to their prior Delta waves, which was more pathogenic, they seem to have greater number of deaths, right? I mean, you know, you have that in Hong Kong now, they have... um a very high death rate where the entire time they ne- they never had a problem. They had no excess deaths in these countries. Is that this immune exhaustion? Is that ADE? Is that original antigenic sin? What is going on there as compared to, let's say, a place like Africa where we're still not seeing excess deaths? Well, let me unpack this a little bit for everybody. First of all, viruses burn down. They don't burn up unless you mess with them. Okay, number one. Number two, I don't believe in variants of some original virus that's never been identified in its mm-hmm. whole and pure form. People say, well, Dr. J, well, what did I get sick with? What did my family member get? Sure. Okay. There, the world has forgotten, Daniel, that we don't, do not live in a sterile environment. You have never lived in a sterile environment since you left your mother's womb. So what does that mean? That means you've always lived in a world of fi- viruses, bacteria, fungi, protozoa, all kinds of stuff. No. When I ask some of the other frontline doctors, who I will not name right now, so I don't cause a controversy, what do you mean variant? There is no validated diagnostic tool on the planet. Remember, I, I want you all to hear what I just said. Like I'm, it's, it's worthy of being repeated. There is no validated diagnostic test on the planet to diagnose SARS-CoV-1, SARS-CoV-2, specific flus or colds, uh, or if you've ever had, you know, the, a, a flu or a cold. Now, do I think something was engineered in the Wuhan lab? Yeah, I've seen the evidence. I've seen the digital paper trails, if you will. Uh, and, and, I, and I do believe that something was and something's released. And I think when they start to propagandize Delta, you know, sure. Omicron, they, they could be dropping something because, you know, conveniently there are waves. And I know there are waves because I get the hundreds of emails every day. I'm working with Tom, attorney Tom Rentz, Stu Peters and Dr. Eric Henson. Uh, who's another one of the frontline doctors, to rescue these people out of hospitals when they get sick and get snagged in there, which is another topic. But what I'm trying to say is when I've asked these doctors, how are you diagnosing your variant? And they say to me, sequencing. Well, let me break this down for everybody. Sequencing is nothing more than looking at a chunk of something. If I take a banana and I reduce it down to its basic parts, nitrogen, carbon, you know, whatever, okay? Um, You don't really know if you have a banana or my finger, or, you know, a, a, a plant, okay? You don't know what you have. You're just calling it that because what the Wuhan lab uploaded to the, the, geno, the World Genome Bank in 2019 when this whole thing came out was a sequence of what they claimed was a portion of this virus that no one's ever isolated and purified 
in its whole form from an ill human being. So let's start there and let me just quickly define what validated means. When you get a new tool, if I give you a tool, Daniel, I say, hey, Daniel, this tool is going to measure X. You, you want to know what the validation studies look like. You validate for two things. Validity, which is, hey, if I tell you this tool is going to diagnose X, then mm-hmm. I need to demonstrate to you that it diagnoses X and not Y. The second thing we validate for is something called reliability. Every time I apply this tool, it's going to find X, okay? It's not going to be wayward. There, is, there are no validated, by that yeah. definition, tests. And if you saw the Corman-Drosten paper, they were, they were frauds. They, they even admit, though, in their fraudulent paper uh, where they claim they validated the PCR against the coronavirus, this COVID-19. They even admit within the paper, you don't even have to go more than a few pages in to see that they say they validated it because they didn't have a whole virus against a sequence of a model yep. from a sample of a whatever. And I mean, it just goes down the rabbit hole. So the, the criminals will tell you that they're lying, right? You got to just listen for it. Sure. No, no. But I'm, I'm just and, and that's that's something I know is is a big source of contention. But I'm just saying macro observation here. It seems like these very vaccinated countries, and it's not really a vaccine, obviously, it's a bioweapon. Sure, let's go back to that, sure. But these countries seem to be doing worse than they ever were before these shots ever existed. Yes. So pathophysiologically, what do you think is going on there? You look at these, you know, far Asian countries, very into boosters, Israel, very into that, constantly juicing up. Um, a lot of people even got four in Israel. What is that doing, and does that now make them susceptible to a deadly version of what should be an upper respiratory infection? The short answer is it will make them vulnerable to everything. But here, let me answer your question. Looking at Israel, three and four booster shots. Where in your logic, ladies and gentlemen, did you ever come to any conclusion that if two didn't work, I think I'll take a third and a fourth, okay? And I'll take them a month or two later. Are you kidding me? You've lost your God-given discernment. So let's go back to Israel and and other countries like it that have just ramped up. Um, Yes, exactly what's happening is antibody-dependent enhancement, which is a fancy, long phrase. I don't even like it. For pathogenic priming, what does priming mean? You keep you keep exposing something and you keep you prime it up, right? Uh, you get it ready for more and more. The problem is it's immune erosion, immune exhaustion, and immune erosion. These people have subjected their bodies to so much immune degradation that what they're really uh, refer- they tried to pass this off. If you notice. In the last three to six months, they started, they tried, you got to give them credit for, you know, a good effort. They tried with the, oh, it's the unvaccinated people that are really getting sick. You know, even our governor here in Florida, Ron DeSantis, figured out really quick when we called him out on it uh, in, a, in a respectful way. But we said, hey, you've got bad information. And we publicly said it. And then he changed his tune because he couldn't validate or verify, and nobody could, that it was the unvaccinated that were dying in the hospitals. So- Back to the point, they now know it's the, and by the way, I don't like to say vaccinated. I know people get tired of hearing me say, (laughs) here's why. I'm going to explain why you should not use the term vaccine. A vaccine confers psychological belief that there's protection or something good to this. These shots do not give you future protection. In fact, I I agree with you. It's that word because if you, you can't tell people a light creates darkness because they know what a light does. Uh, A vaccine has a very mellifluous sounding connotation to people. And that was the problem. They couldn't believe how could a vaccine do the opposite of a vaccine. So that, that certainly is important. The language does matter. Um, And, and like you said, then they passed it off to, the under vaccinated and then that road ran that out fly right that and then we fly. had to get ukraine because <laughs> there was no road <laughs> left the ukrainian exactly. variant you know um because there was nothing like because now it's it's terrible what's going on yeah. in the hospitals now with Daniel, these people there the the ukraine variant uh the other name for the ukraine variant is distraction red herring well, because now this is all coming out. So I want to go through some of this is coming out. Sure. Um, a lot of people weren't emotionally prepared for this when when people like you were calling this at the beginning. But I want to talk about um, 
I, I've, I, I heard it as rumors. Then I started to know these doctors. Then I got very close to some of the military doctors directly seeing this and, and seeing it in 20-year-olds, 25-year-olds. These sudden metastatic cancers, could you explain how you could suddenly get cancers that look like they've been around for a few years, but they've only just started out of these shots? Yeah, it's the same thing as our southern border. If you leave the door open, things come in, right? <laughs> so, I mean, that's the best and simplest way I could say it. With this immune erosion, you're losing, you're chipping away at your immune system the more of this stuff you take. So if your immune surveillance goes down, what did I just say? You have no fight. If you don't see the enemy coming, you're not going to fight it. So what's happening is people who, you know, we all have cancers every day. Cancer is a, a male formation, if mm. you will. It, it, it go, it's, it's cell re, uh, replication gone awry, but the body recognizes it, keeps it in check with your immune surveillance system. Right? That's the biggest immunity, thing I've learned. Yep. Your immunity is two parts. It's surveillance and it's, it's, a, it's an army of attack mode. So what's happening is these cancers are very opportunistic. They're, they're, they're waiting. They're always waiting because they want to survive too. Wait, so, so, so Dr. Jane, are you saying that even when someone gets cancer, often it's not a complete fail, there's still some border patrol there, and it's keeping it somewhat in check, whereas this, it completely kills the, or, or, or just makes the National Guard not show up for work, they just don't show up, so then they march in in large numbers and it's more metastatic? More suddenly? Absolutely. Absolutely. The cancers are more ag aggressive when they do come back. People who've been healthy all along, with ex with the exception of taking these shots, uh, then come up with, with new cancers out of the blue. Look, I've got a study, very interesting. I know we're, you know, we can't see it, but I'll send it to you. Maybe you can post it at some place. It's actually, I've posted it several times on my on my website, uh, on my T, uh, not my website, my uh, Telegram channel. But what what we're looking at is, um, it's a beautiful visual. On the left, it's a PET scan of someone. You can see some infl inflammation. They've already taken a couple of shots. On and then on September 8th, they had a PET scan. Just on September 22nd, they got a booster, Daniel. And one week later, on the 30th, you can now you can see because I'm showing you, but we'll put this up later. Yes. Um, the PET scan a week later was repeated. You can see not only now you you can't make this out, but in reading this PET scan, you can what you can see is that all those areas like tripled and doubled. There are the lymph nodes are swollen beyond belief, but there are lesions which are growths. Uh, that have appeared that were not there two or three weeks before that. So yes, with the boosters, this is very, and let me tell you why I think, Daniel, because, you know, a lot of people, and I understand lay people, maybe even other scientific types who don't, haven't done research. I've written hundreds of original protocols. Within the protocol uh, on clinicaltrials.gov for this study, they have information on the booster. They call it something different, but it's the third and fourth arms of mm. the study. And what you see in there. You know that Comirnaty was approved at 30 micrograms. That's if they're telling the truth, okay? I, we don't know what's in every vial. Yep. could be different on a given day. But the point is, in that protocol, they talk about going up as high as 250 micrograms. That is lethal dose testing. Now, why do I – so in the boosters, I warned people months ago on Stu's show. I said, you're going to get up to 10 times. It's in the patent. You're going to get up to 10 times the dose. Don't do it. What's happening? You get 10 times a dose. You're going to get your cancer exploding a week And this later. was a booster. This was a booster case. So, for, for, so again, yeah. we cited it earlier this week or last week. I can't even remember. Frontiers in Medicine, Rapid Progression of Angioimmunoblastic T-Cell Lymphoma. Yeah. I know the study. Following yeah. Pfizer shots. That's the one you're referring to. Yep. And that is very, very concerning. Um, my other question about cancer is, so what you're explaining is more of a passive thing. It's that you took away the immune surveillance and it comes in. But are there also concerns that there are more active carcinogenic um, components to the shots, the lipid nan nanoparticles, the inflammation? I mean, are, are there other aspects to this aside from depleting the innate immune system? Yes, yes. And this is why I have such incredible respect for you as a journalist who's a researcher as well, I mean, you really dig because you you think about it in a very smart way and your discernment is so high. And I'm not just blowing smoke up your skirt. I really mean that. I wouldn't say it if I didn't believe it. People know I'm a truth teller and I aggravate even my fellow frontline doctors. <laughs> there are two reasons why your, answer, your question is incredible. 
there are other factors, I believe, and here's one of them. I, th I believe that there are other codes that many, many other, countless other codes in these injections. We only know what we know, Daniel. These companies are silent. They're not disclosing. They're criminally, they're behaving criminally, and they're going to let us, we're feeling our way in the dark. And what we know so far is that in the leaked documents between the European Medicines Agency, which is the equivalent of the US FDA, and Pfizer, these documents were leaked last year. It's a topic for a whole other show. But in those documents, you actually see the EMA calling Pfizer out and saying, look, you can't, how much are you going to guarantee that, that your product contains the mRNA? They have a 50% leeway. How they got past this, past even the EMA, they had objections, but they never forced them to you know, come back and, and reassure them or change the formula. That's number one. Like Team Enigma has said many times on my show, you could be getting scrapings off the floor. But what I think you're also getting is there are people have found smaller particles of RNA pieces. They those could be additional codes. OK, second thing is these lipid nanoparticles. We know they're made of many different things, Daniel. Polyethylene glycol, SM102, depends on the company, the day. Here's the interesting part that I'm just starting to dig into now. I'm going to give you a little bit of a hot mic. All right. These lipid nanoparticles, there's there's always some graphene. Even if you use a non-direct mRNA, like a Novavax, which uses moths, moths they yeah. infect the moths with a baculovirus that then delivers the mRNA and forces the moths to make the spikes. Okay, those lipid nanoparticles, there's a ton of graphene. I was the one, I'm going to toot my own horn, who broke the story. I was the, you know, I was the tinfoil hat person, um, which is really what gave me visibility on Stu's show and, and worldwide for breaking La Quinta Columna's discovery of the graphene in the Pfizer vial. Now, why is this important? These are, these graphene sheets are nano. They're at the atomic level. And I'm going to, I'm going to bust this open right now. Pfizer admits that shedding is real. They tell yeah. you in the investigators were sure. How does it happen? Inhalation? Quote, quote, inhalation and skin to skin, skin to contact. Skin, yeah. How do you think that happens? So I'm thinking to myself, the spike is a protein. Understanding proteins, proteins are much larger than a graphene sheet. Spike proteins aren't jumping. My belief now is that it's the graphene. The graphene. So when a lot of people are going around in my my areas, everyone's like, I don't want to get spiked by someone with a shot. You're no. saying it's likely not going to be the spike. But, getting graphene uh, toxicity. It, it, it is in the air of somebody breathing. If I'm in a room, and it's happened to me three times. Now, I'm, I'm only one person. I'm not a study. But believe me, I, get, I have probably gotten thousands of emails since last July of people talking about similar and whatever the side effects are. If I'm in an enclosed, fairly small, limited room with people, a lot of people who've been jabbed, I get this sort of electrical headache. It's sort of a, it's a low level, but it's very tingly and electrical. I'm not a headache person at all. So I don't even know what that is. Low level stomach discomfort. I wouldn't call it nausea. I wouldn't call it pain. And I have to leave the room. I have to be outside. It takes hours to maybe a day. And what clears it is clear air. And I have to hammer the anti sort of anti COVID ish, uh, uh, supplements. NAC, quercetin, vit uh, vitamin D3, yep. vitamin C, and the zinc. And if I hammer it, if I double up, I'm not giving people prescriptions, by the way. I want to give a medical disclaimer. This is all medical information. I'm not treating anyone. I don't have that relationship with anyone in your audience. So I just, I think it's good to do that. But that's the point. So I believe more and more, the, because graphene, I'm looking at studies that are saying, warning, graphene inhaled is dangerous. It's dangerous, and people are, can inhale yep. enough of it. And we all and the, know a virus 0.1 micrograms, how you can't hide from it in indoor space. So this is much smaller than 0.1 micrograms. Much smaller, and it completely understands. People say to me, Dr. Jane, you know, sorry for the visual, but can I have sex with my wife? I mean, exchanging body fluids. And I say to them, you know what? <laughs> I can't direct you what to do with your life. But if it can be transmitted through the air and hand-to-hand, -hand, you know, skin-to-skin, -skin, I, I think you got your answer. I think I'd be a little careful till we know more and we know how to, you know, protect people. We don't know, Daniel. We're putting pieces together like we're in a dark room. 
that's completely black and exactly. we're trying to put a and, thousand and it's not our job together. to prove with scientific law that it's doing x number of problems it was their job to prove that it's not a problem uh especially after their safety signals showing there is before foisting it on us i'm going to ask you the 800 pound gorilla question in the room and sure. this is i'm always open to questions this is you know you were on about a half a year ago talking about this concern with variances in vials, that they're not all the same. And my question to you is, a lot of people, a shocking number of people have had terrible, terrible problems. They have died from the shots. But, you know, the majority of people um, kind of skated away and walked away from it. So the big question is, is it that those people got some sort of, I don't know, placebo or lower dose whatever and less toxins in it? Or is it that there's long-term issues festering? And I want to throw out one thing that I thought was fascinating. I want to get your comment on specifically. OpenVares tweeted something out that I that shocked me. I didn't realize this. We all talk about the shocking number of reports of myocarditis last year. But just in the first six weeks of this year, they're up to about half the number of myocarditis cases from all of last year. And, and we all thought myocarditis would be kind of more of an immediate thing. Um, so, A, how much of this is that they got, you know, just placebos? And B, is it that, you know, a lot of people assumed the injuries would be within the first week or two, but in fact, some of the cardio nervous system disorders, not to mention the more, you know, long-term things like immunosuppression and cancers, are yet to come out of the bottle? Excellent, excellent. Another excellent question. I've, I've got to unpack a few things. Let me do it as efficiently as I can. Uh, there's great people are witnessing. There's great variability. Even people will say in towns, everybody in my town got it and everybody's fine and, and everything in between. It wasn't until Team Enigma came along. This is a group of analysts. They're, they're not medical except for Dr. Michael Yeadon is one of their advisors. This is a group of analysts, uh, biostatisticians, they're professional hackers. Uh, they got in, they, they looked at VARES from a very different perspective. They looked at lot numbers and then they plotted them out over chunks of time and they saw patterns. They also saw great variability in death and destruction and damage from the vials, depending on when they were deployed, you know, and, and they ruled out by chance. They also ruled out that those great very, when I say variability, I mean, you could take a lot number of vials. There could be up to a million point five by the way, doses in a lot, okay, mm. in one lot. So they're they're still out there, but they could have different things at different times. Only the companies know what they're manufacturing and deploying. But what they found was that the lot numbers, some lot numbers had like super high levels of death and disability. Of course, you know, others had very little, very quiet, almost like they were and they were in a pattern, like they were creating their own baseline. The reason that's important is because they ruled out by chance. They also said this could never, this amount of variability could never be uh, due to dosage variation. So the logical conclusion is there are different things at different times. Now, are they getting, you know, placebo, saline? Nobody knows that right now. Mm -hmm. You could be getting something that's programmed not to hit for another year or two. Remember something, if you're going to kill Hundreds of, here we go, Jane puts her tinfoil hat on. If you're going to kill hundreds of millions of people over several years, you're not going to do it all at once. You're going to yeah. program it, right? So let me go on to, um, there seems to be a pattern. You're either, you take these shots, usually the second Moderna or Pfizer, yeah. and you're dead in 24 to 48 hours. You have a sudden event. Okay. Then the second group of people is about one to three months they, they can drop dead too. You know, the heart attack, the stroke came out of nowhere. He was on an airplane. He threw clots. Then there's a third group that we're just, in my estimation, starting to see. And we, I predicted it. I, I can't even take credit for it. Right at the very beginning, the frontline doctors, like Simone Gold used to talk about ADE. And, this, and she said two to three years. Now we're at the two to three years. And this is the slow kill. This mm. is the people that are getting the cancers that maybe in six to 12 months, these people are going to be gone. I mean, I, I don't want to sound too dramatic, but you can't be too dramatic because if people are thinking of taking a booster or marching a two year old or a six month old into get this, you've got to stop. You've got to stop. You got to think you got to take some time for a flu with a statistically 100% recovery rate. Now the myocarditis, 
Let me say one other thing. I'm a cardiac nurse practitioner. That means I did residencies. Mm. I took my courses and my residencies at the University of Rochester Medical Center in the medical school, not the nursing school. Those residencies, we, we were taught by physician teachers. We did a full residency in cardiology. Myocarditis never is mild. It never has no sequela. You are going to have congestive heart failure and, and, and it will advance and you will probably live, I'm sorry, a shorter lifespan. Stop taking these bioweapon shots. That's where the myocarditis, you know, a five-year-old with myocarditis, you know, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm very passionate about things, but I, I just, there's something that heats up like a, like a blaze of fire in my chest. When I think of some moron who's yep. marching their six month old baby or two year old in to get these shots, you know, people, please stop. You destroy their cardiac function at two years old, you're going to bury your child. Um, so speaking of cardiac, we're almost out of time here. I, you're the one who really broke this with uh, Hirschman. Um, he was the the yeah. embalmer in Alabama. We have a few more that have gone on the record since then. I've seen the pictures. I, I saw it on your show first, and I had him on my show. Do you have anything to say about that? I don't. What I don't understand is, and I'm not denying its existence, because I spoke to him privately, he does seem very credible. How could you go from living to dying? In other words, the, the type of things that are going to be in your veins, and, and he says even arteries, you couldn't live for a second with that. How does that happen? Yeah, there, there are several theories. And listen, we were uh, invited. You know, we don't just throw this stuff out. When I yep. – I'm much more responsible than I look, right? <laughs> uh, I say in three words what I probably should say in ten sometimes. But we got together. Uh, I don't. I don't think they'll mind me telling telling this publicly with Dr. Ba- Dr. Bakti. It's 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 doctors for COVID ethics, right? Yep. Um, and they they meet. You know, I'm sure you're you're you know a, a lot of the people. Dr. Thomas Bender, the car- cardiologist. A lot of other. Dr. Arna Burkhart. I have profound respect for these experts. And they had different various theories. Like you said, how can you live with this? This must have happened post mortem. But then I've had other experts and coroners say to me, Dr. Jane, there's no way this happened post mortem. You don't have enough time. Even Mr. Hirschman said to me when we talked about it post the show, he said, you know, he said, because he was on, he was on the call with me, the zoom with Dr. Bakhti and this whole COVID for doctors for ethics. Um, he said to me, uh, you know, Dr. Jane, I, I have bodies that are still warm. Sorry for the visual. Uh, yeah. that, you know, that are still have body warmth to them and they're filled solid with this stuff. Yeah. He no. said it's right away. It's not days later. It's not days later. So, you know, part there, there, we could speculate. We just don't know yet. One of the things I've pushed Mr. Hirschman to do is to, uh, get this chemically analyzed. But when you say, well, why is it taking so long? You have to understand something. I always, uh, I grew up in a family of lawyers and judges. Always think about how we're going to de- defend this later on. What do I mean by that? You have to have a pristine chain of custody. You have to have a professional, an expert in chain of custody, like a law enforcement person who will guarantee and document the movement of those materials from Mr. Hirschman to, I I encouraged him to oversee the analysis of his own materials. He has tons of it. And I I said, I'll even fly you at at, at our, our own expense to a lab so you can oversee. So that. I haven't heard back. That's his choice. He's the expert that found this and came forward. Um, and so until we know what it's made of, Daniel, we won't understand yeah. how people might live with it up until the moment of death. Maybe it's 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 compressible when it's in the living being. Mm. And so blood is still able to get through. And then eventually it gets to become an overwhelming situation. And But most of these people died suddenly, according to Mr. Hirschman, when he went back. And looked at whatever records he could get. He talked to the funeral director, you know, because he's sort of a, you know, he's a tradesman now. He's a board certified funeral director himself, but he's not fielding the families and all that. So he gets the information, but he did establish that a lot of people were jabbed and that a lot of these people died suddenly, but it got attributed to heart attack, stroke, and then people brush it off. Oh, poor, you know, Daniel Smith. He was 35 and he had a heart attack. Does that make sense to you people? Yep. And and we're certainly seeing the military is the ultimate control group on all this. We're seeing that. Final question. One of the things that they've done so artfully the last two years is not just to deny a problem. They do worse than that. When it becomes too strong to deny, they embrace it. 
and then they co-opt it. So um, have you killed it? Have you killed and have you inherited? Like it says in the Bible, they inherit the problem. Mm-hmm. What are some of the things you see them doing down the road to recognize these injuries? But rather than trace it back to the shot, they blame it on a new pathogen and then use that to rejuvenate the cycle. So are you concerned about them using, let's say, HIV PCR testing because maybe some of the markers of the shots, Marburg's, the hemorrhagic fevers. What are what are the next frontiers you're seeing? Uh, I am concerned. I am concerned about re you know repurposing, rehabilitating, rejuvenating. You know the fear porn. We've already seen it. I would say to you, anybody, even frontline doctors who warn of it, you should, that's a red flag to me. You should be very wary of those people. Uh, but, but this hemorrhagic fever, I actually did a special segment on it. So look, look for that mm-hmm. in the archives of Dr. Jane Ruby show. Um, and, and really what, what I learned, uh, is that there are four basic viral illnesses that come under hemorrhagic fever, the Marburg, the Lassa, uh, what do we have? You named um, Ebola, the, the Ebola. And then then there was a fourth one, yellow fever. So these these are not easily transmissible to humans. They mostly are concentrated in animals in the areas where those animals are concentrated in the world, mostly in Africa. However, uh, if a human being does get sick with it, you're going to have a natural repulsion. Somebody's that sick. You're not going to be like laying in a bed with them or hugging them and kissing them. There's going to be you know, nature builds in that fear factor. Uh, it's not easy to transmit. Uh, it is. It can be these these hemorrhagic fevers can be self-limiting. And the other thing is, it sounds the hemorrhagic part where it's really turn. It really manifests in tiny little micro hemorrhaging. It sounds like you're bleeding out of every orifice. That's not the most dangerous part of it. It's mm. it's when it gets to the respiratory infection. So there's a lot of mistruths. There's a lot of, it's just red meat thrown out there. That's why I say, if you have a frontline doctor who's famous, who's talking about, oh, and hemorrhagic fever might be coming. You got to know that person could be compromised because why are they throwing that red meat out? So be very careful with that. The HIV thing is being resurrected to scare you. Uh, the human immunodeficiency virus was never identified in its whole and pure form. Sound familiar? What you need to really focus on is the antibody-dependent enhancement, the erosion of your immune system from these yes. shots. And don't let them swing the narrative back around to something new that you can be afraid of. And stop testing. these. Te- if somebody told you, like the CDC said last June, don't use this. Uh, the- well, they're toxic too. We saw it in, o- in Ohio. And if something got recalled, but but the but the government said, listen, it's June, but you can use it till December. But you <laughs> might it might blow up and kill you. What, wouldn't you step back and say, what are you talking about? But no, many people lined up for these tests, Daniel. Well, I mean, this is just a very in-depth presentation of why we need a no-fly zone implemented on our bodies, Doctor Jane. Um, thanks so much. We, we have so much more we'd like to go over with you uh, another day. But, folks, you could go to stupeters.tv to get the Dr. Jane Ruby show. There's a lot more where this came from. <laughs> Thank you, Every Daniel. day. Every day, right? <laughs> every um, day. Every, every day. day. Telegram channel as well. Um, good luck, and thank, thanks for everything you're doing. It's certainly been illuminating to all of us. Take care. Well, thank you so much. So there you have it, folks. That was Dr. Jane Ruby. Um Probably the smartest person out there on this who has her own daily show. So she's putting out a lot of information. And look, she's very blunt. I mean, she does not have any sacred cows. She won't protect any politicians, any figures, any doctors, any anyone. Uh, She'll go to where she thinks her mind is. And I'll I'll tell you, um, I have a hard time disagreeing with her on things. She does come with the receipts. She certainly does, and I think it's important we hear her warnings because she's been right on a lot of things. Um, Gosh, I didn't even get to the bone marrow suppression I wanted to discuss with her. There was just so much to talk about, Um, but we're pretty much out of time. I just want to say, as, as I was talking with her, I just saw it come out, Medscape. This is the establishment medical media that basically piped in a blood libel into all of the doctors, all the hospital workers every day, lies, getting them to be so hateful towards people. They tweet out today, antibodies derived from natural COVID infection are more abundant and at least 10 times more potent than immunity generated by vaccination alone. 
That's not some something we should ignore, scientists say. You see, folks, do you kind of get the idea as to why they want to focus on the Ukrainian variant now? Do you understand what's going on here? It is shocking what they've done to us. But what we're going to continue on in the, in the coming days, it's not just what they've done in the past tense. It's still going on. Most of this stuff is still, especially the vaccine mandates, they're still there. They haven't gotten rid of it. So everyone's like, oh, we're done with this, for better or for worse. It's not true. We're not. What planet do you live on? You have healthcare workers that have natural immunity. I mean, no one should be forced to get these things. No one should even voluntarily get them. They shouldn't be available. But the point is, you have people that already have natural immunity. They're, they're losing their jobs. It's still going on. I have a friend that's that's texting me. Um, he he wound up getting the shots. And it was interesting. You know, he's a practitioner himself, so he juiced himself up on ivermectin and steroids. If you if you take steroids uh, right when you're getting the shot, it's the best chance of kind of neutralizing it. Um, but now they're requiring a third one. And this is this is still happening, even while it's being discredited even more increasingly in their own media, it doesn't matter. Because your body, my choice, has been established as a precedent, and nothing has been done to fight that. Um, again, my friend Savannah Maddox in Kentucky, she's introduced that as an amendment. Um, I'm trying to get a bill number. We'll talk about that tomorrow. Send this to everyone you know. Very important. It could save a life. Um, please give us a five-star rating on iTunes with a comment. It really helps get the word out. This is what we need to keep people focused on what matters, when it matters, and how it matters, and what we can do about it. Till tomorrow, God bless you all, and thank you for listening.